Maybe the presentation should be um, entitled, is it, is, it any, um, is it ever the same, actually? Is it ever the same? Is any cycle ever the same? Um, and the truth is it's not. But this cycle is, I, I heard the, the last bit of the previous speaker, this cycle is quite extraordinary. Because we have central banks and this fear of you know, recession, recession is sort of a word they're all trying to avoid. And what they're doing is you know, extraordinary measures um, to keep the world kind of going. Uh, but uh, as, as, as you've heard before, you know, it, is, it is pushing, in you know, some senses, the can down the road. So just looking very quickly around the world, you know, the US economy now has had 10 years of strong growth, really since the GFC, held by low rates, held by fiscal stimulus. You'd, you'd have to say it's peaking, it's mature. Again, the Fed there is trying very hard to keep it going. You know, this word recession or slowdown seems to be a dirty word. Uh, but, you know, the US economy is peaking and will slow at some point. Uh, China is slowing because of the trade war, plus as well the amount of stimulus they've thrown. It, you know, a cycle is a normal thing. I don't know why central banks keep fighting them, uh, but cycles are quite a normal thing in economic policy. But anyway, uh, the Eurozone economies are still meandering despite zero rates for many years, in fact negative rates, despite fiscal stimulus, despite QE, uh, and the emerging economies at this stage are stable. So look, the global outlook is pretty... Um, is pretty flat. You know, it looks. Australia, we've got our own issues. Obviously, we had a house price boom. House prices fell heavily. They're sort of plateauing now, again, with the RBA cutting rates to, you know, ridiculously low levels, in my opinion. Uh, residential construction is slowing. Obviously, that's always lagging. Uh, you know, we've seen all the cranes in Sydney. All those developers are now trying to sell their property. It's going to take a while before we see those cranes coming back, back um, you know, at the, at the same level. Employment in Australia has remained fairly strong, although wages are very low, you know, and I think most people are feeling this, the average person. Uh, you know, if you get a 2 or 3% wage rise these days, well, you know, people have said, sort of said, congrats, well, you try and live in Sydney now on 50 or 60 or 70 grand a year, you know, with electricity prices going up, um, with your toll roads prices going up every year, your private healthcare going up, your whatever, you know, it's very difficult. So th that's, you know, there is a squeeze and what you're seeing is consumer spending is slowing despite cuts in interest rates. Um, you know, the drought as well hasn't, hasn't helped Australia. You know, a lot of sectors, packaging, uh, fertilizers, etc., being, being, you know, badly hit. Uh, and you've got this infrastructure spending in Australia, which is, you know, state governments are being encouraged to spend. So really, you know, in Australia, we've, we've had an uh, economic expansion for 28 years, which is a record, I think, for most countries. So most countries would be pretty proud of that. Again, the RBA is doing everything now to try and keep that growth going. But, you know, after 28 years of growth, it's pretty hard to keep growing, you know, um, in normal economic theory. So we've got these record low interest rates. The federal government's chipped in with tax, rate, tax cuts, etc., to try and keep the economy going that extra year or two to avoid, you know, this cycle. If we look around the world very quickly, and I don't want to talk too much macro, but, you know, we, we, is this time different? It, it is different, as I said. Um, if you look at German bonds, you know, which up until, what, 10 years ago were sort of yielding 4%, we've got German bonds now at negative yields. Uh, don't ask me how that works. Uh, why, if you're an investor in Europe, you buy a 10-year bond and, and earn minus 0.5 for the next 10 years, you know, again, nonsense. But again, this is the extreme that we're seeing from central banks, which are forcing these lower rates, trying to force people to invest, force companies to invest, and we're not seeing it. And what it's creating, as the previous speaker said, is we're seeing bubbles, you know. If, if, if low rates and lots of liquidity don't create, I mean, how it should work 
is they should create jobs, they should get companies to build new factories, create jobs. That's a normal cycle, what lower rates should do. But all lower rates seem to be doing at the moment is pushing people more into financial assets, pushing them more into property, pushing them up the risk curve. Okay, so anyway, uh, German bonds are at negative. We've seen um, the US bonds also come off uh, quite sharply. And in Australia, you know, we've seen now for the first time, I think, uh, that I can ever remember in my 30-year career, we've got Australian bonds below US bonds. You know, the Aussie 10-year bond is now yielding around 0.9% which again is due to this you know, push, pushing of the Reserve Bank and, and, and talking about further cuts in interest rates and talking about possible quantitative easing. So that's where we are. So is it a time for caution? Well, look, I, I mean, I, I'm, as an equity manager for 30 years, I've always been a bit cautious because you never know what the market holds in store for you next week or next month. But look, you've got world growth is slowing. You know, around, it is slowing around the world despite all this stimulus. Um, earnings growth is getting harder to find, you know, most companies, uh, the, the competition in most sectors or most industries is, uh, is intense. And interestingly enough, I think one of the byproducts of lower interest rates is it, 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 is, it, it is making it harder for companies uh, to do well. And I know that sounds a bit bizarre. Why is it making it harder? Because in a normal cycle, when rates are high or an economy slows, the people who shouldn't be in business, the bad operators, go out of the business, which means the better operators do better because they pick up market share, whatever. That's not happening this time because those bad operators, the poor operators who are highly geared, are being supported by lower interest rates and fiscal stimulus. Right? So actually, the, I know all the central banks around the world want inflation, but by actually providing all this cash and making rates so low, they're actually keeping inflation low. Because a lot of sectors where, you know, as I said, the more inefficient competitors should get out of the sector, they're actually hanging in there because rates are so low. Anyway, um, so earnings growth is getting harder to find. You know, some sectors valuation, in line with the previous speaker, look, look very high. And there are signs of excessive, uh, of speculative excesses uh, appearing. This is very quickly growth sectors around the world, you know, uh, the, the medium PE. Interestingly, Australia's got the highest are growth stocks, and there's not many of them, <laughs> um, genuine growth stocks. Um, the PEs are the highest in the world um, compared to anywhere. So that's quite interesting. And again, if you look at Australia, are there any bargains in Australia? Well, again, you've got some of these stocks, the growth stocks, you know, being pushed to higher and higher PEs because the short-term outlook looks good, the momentum looks good, the upgrades are coming, blah, blah, blah. So we've had these, you know, the, the non-bank industrials, PEs are at record levels in Australia. Um, so that, that's something to be right. If you look in the US, um, this is a chart showing the number of IPOs, new floats in the US that, were, that have been floated with, with no zero or negative earnings. And you can see the record was held in 2000 in the tech boom when lots of things were, you know, lots of rubbish was being floated uh, that didn't make any money. And here we are, 2018, 19, and we're at the same level of the same similar rubbish like Uber, like Lyft, like uh, Workforce, or what the hell it's called. Uh, all that sort of rubbish now being floated to people with no earnings, uh, huge cash burns, but it's coming, you know, it's coming. They're going to make lots of money one day, apparently. Okay, what we've always tried to do is we, we try and buy and own companies with, with competitive advantage. Again, that's an interesting uh, thing as well because competitive advantage is, is getting harder to find as the world, as world, the global trade, as lots of sectors which were traditionally 
monopoly-type sectors like gaming and telecommunications as they become more, um, you know, new entrants come in there, it's getting harder to find companies that have that strong competitive advantage. We like companies with recurring predictable earnings, companies where you can see some sort of level of, of growth or where the, where the earnings are going to be roughly, given an uncertain world in the next three to five years. Uh, companies run by capable management, and we spend a lot of time talking to companies, companies that hopefully can grow over time, and, that, and companies trading at a reasonable price. You know, we, we've been uh, struggling in the last uh, year or two. Why? Because we are in a momentum-based market. As I said, the short term gets rewarded, uh, and some stocks are being pushed, uh, valuations are being pushed to ridiculous levels in some cases, and stocks where the growth is not there as of next quarter are being completely smashed. So uh, in, industrials are lagging in resources, which again in itself is a bit unusual because you would expect resource companies to be struggling if everyone's worried about world growth, but resource companies, the iron ore price in particular, continues to hold up there. As I said, we've, had, we've got in Australia, as around the world, these momentum concept stocks, we've had a few disappointing things. So let, let's, I'm just looking at a couple of sectors. So look at, let's look at the REITs, you know, the uh, listed property trust sector in Australia, which is a, a sector traditionally that many investors like to buy in. It's nice, it's property, there's tenants, there's yield, it's all, you know, all very nice, uh, very steady, whatever. And what we look for, good quality recurring earnings, obviously, you know, if you've got a long, to, a long whale, a long lease, and a tenant paying you the money for years, that's pretty recurring, you know, it's coming. Obviously, low debt and gearing ratios. But the other important thing, you know, is price to NTA. So if, if I'm buying a dollar worth of, if, if this trust owns a dollar worth of property, then I should pay around a dollar for that trust, shouldn't I? Shouldn't I or not? Or should I pay, a, or, or should I, in, in the case of Mervac, pay a dollar forty? for a dollar of assets. So Mervac can buy a property at a dollar and put it in its trust which is trading at a dollar thirty, dollar forty. And why? Why is that happening? Because people are so desperate for yield that they're buying stocks almost at, at a yield that no, no cost. You know, there's no value on the yield. People are buying CBA shares because it's on a good yield. But it's on a, by the way, it's on a P of 16. It's got huge regulation coming. It's got compliance costs going up. It's got a margin squeeze happening because of lower interest rates. But everybody's buying CBA at 80 bucks because it's on a high yield. So you've got this almost yield at no cost, yield at no value. Okay? So I think as investors, you have to be a little bit cautious. We all want higher yield. We're all looking for yield. Our term deposits are being squeezed. But you just have to be a little bit careful because everybody's doing the same thing. And in that desperation to find yield, people are often overpaying for assets. Okay? And we're seeing that in the REIT sector. We're seeing it uh, in some in the Australian banks, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. If we look at the um, uh, the high techs in Australia, your wise techs, your uh, afterpays, your zeros, you know, huge multiples, market caps now of you know billions and billions of dollars. And look, maybe one or two of these may become winners longer term, but you're paying a huge, you know, billions of dollars for companies which are barely making money in many cases. Okay, so ProMedicus, for example. Uh, you know, it has a revenue, a revenue of 50 million and is capped at three and a half billion dollars. So that's 70 times revenue, let alone earnings. I don't even know uh, what, what the earnings are, if it has any earnings. So, you know, one has to be cautious because there is a bit of froth and bubble appearing in the market. Uh, there's all this cash around, all this liquidity, etc. So, so what do we like or what, what are we buying that we think sort of is value? You know, again, I'll probably get shot because these things will probably fall next week. But anyway, uh, so Amcor, you know, boring old Amcor, which makes um, 
of plastic. I shouldn't use the word plastic because apparently we're going to stop using plastic next week. So, you know, sell Amcor. Um, it'll happen, but, you know, Amcor's already signed a thing that by 2025, all their plastic will come from recyclable stuff anyway. So, anyway, so Amcor looks okay to us, I think. Uh, again, uh, in a, um, Channel 9. Uh, now everyone says free to air is going downhill. That's true, but Channel 9 also owns Stan. It also owns Domain. Uh, it also owns other uh, digital media things. Events, which is the old amalgamated holdings, uh, which is into cinemas. Ooh, yes, yes, cinemas not great. But uh, uh, events also has a large uh, property portfolio uh, worth around $12 a share. The shares are trading at 13 bucks. So, you know, you're not paying a lot for the cinemas or the hotels, which is, by the way, the largest hotel chain in Australia. Um, you know, good balance sheet, very conservative man. Sky City Casino in, in Auckland, you know, chugging along. Pack Group, which has been really bad, now trading at very low multiples. Caltex, which is struggling at the moment. They had a very bad half uh, because retail margins were down and refi refining margins were down. Refining margins are picking up. Uh, on the retail side, they're taking 100 million worth of costs out of the business. So you know, it, it doesn't look super expensive. And by the way, if you look at the market cap of these stocks compared to the, the previous, I don't know, I'll go, go back, but you know, you've got Amcor, which makes a billion EBIT on the same, uh, on the same market cap as almost WiseTech, which makes 50 million or something. So, you know, um, WiseTech may be a wonderful company, but I don't think uh, it, it's, it's sort of the equivalent of Amcor just yet. By the way, Amcor's in, in 70 different countries around the world, 100 different plants, um, as I said, makes over a billion dollars EBIT a year. So, Okay, so look, in, in, at some point there will be a correction. Uh, I don't know when. As the previous speaker said, it's difficult to know with these things. You can see the excesses. You can see the value. You can see uh, where people are overpaying. You can see, in some senses, the mistakes some investors, I think, are making. Uh, but you don't know when it will all correct and hopefully come back to some sort of common sense. So look, the only way to survive a correction, hold good quality stocks where the valuation makes sense. Um, you know, diversify across good quality assets. Don't, don't, don't buy crap, you know, don't end up with a load of uh, Y stacks or whatever. If you want to fiddle around, fine, but, but, but not too many. Uh, always have good quality stocks. And obviously, don't be too heavily geared. Uh, so look, in terms of IML, uh, what we try to achieve is, is reasonable capital growth over time, resilience in falling markets, lower volatility, consistent income, and uh, with tax effective, uh, with franking attached. So uh, very quickly, uh, we, we've just celebrated our 20 years. So we just put out a thing called 20 lessons from 20 years, which I, I sort of, the marketing department had a gun at my head every, <laughs> to produce something every week or two. So I, I've written most of it. And I think it's ended up being not too bad, despite the gun at my head, girls. Um, so look, if you want to look at, have a look at that, uh, Kiwi Equities. Uh, is our LIC, trading at a discount, not that it matters, uh, managed by IML, focus on X20 stocks, got a good board, and you know, the focus is on long-term uh, capital growth and income. And su su surprise, surprise, the sort of stocks we own, Amcor, Caltex, Crown Resorts, debt-free, with two casinos, building a third one in Sydney, Sonic Healthcare, global pathology company, Tabcorp, boring old Tabcorp, etc., etc. So, you know, there's good, solid companies, not all doing well at the moment. In fact, some of them are doing quite poorly in terms of share price. Uh, having said that, we speak to the management all the time. You know, they're all profitable. We know where they're going. Uh, they'll, they'll be around, you know, a lot longer than probably most of us in this room. So thank you very much for your time, and I'm open to questions. Thank you.